The portion of Ephesians that we're focusing on this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given, as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives, and he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. But instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. What more can I do to be happy in life? What more can I do to be more comfortable What can I do to get a little extra money in the bank account so I can retire earlier? What more can I do to be skinnier, prettier, more attractive to others? What more can I do to make life in this world more enjoyable for myself? Maybe you ask yourselves, questions like this in your life? What more can I do in my life to to make my life better, get myself in a better position, be more happy, find more joy? But friends, if these are the kinds of what more can I do questions you're asking yourself in some form or fashion, let me be maybe the first to tell you that is a really shallow view of what this life is about. If that's what your focus in this life is all about, those types of things that you can do to to get more money, to to get a better position at your job, to to change your appearance, to to have more happiness and be more comfortable in this life, you're, you're, you're missing the boat completely on what this life is really all about. And that's why we are having this sermon series on Ephesians. Because so often what happens when we live in this world, our priorities... And what we think is important, and our identity often starts to look at what the world says it should be. And it's these outward things. It's these earthly things. It's these temporary things that really have no value and worth in themselves. Can bring us no peace and no joy, and really no true purpose in this life. And so this sermon series on Ephesians is helping us walk through this book And rediscovering, or maybe for you, for the first time, discovering what true identity really is. And it's not what the world tells you. 
And it's not even what God just says it should be. But what it's, it, it's what God says in Christ is actually your reality. What your true identity really is in his sight. And how that realigns really what your purpose in this world is all about. And you can ask the question, what more can I do? But, but, but the things that you focus on are so much more different. So much greater. So much more value. So much better than the things of this life. What more can I do is, is not necessarily a bad question. I ask it every day. As your pastor, it's been two years now. Do you know that? I've been, been able to serve you and privilege of serving you as your pastor for two years now. Every day of those two years, I have asked myself, what more can I do to carry out the calling that you have entrusted to me to come here to move my family across the country and to come and to serve you? What more can I do to do that better and more? And, and I don't have to figure out or guess at or, or define what is it I'm supposed to be doing. And, and maybe you wonder, what is it you're supposed to be doing here, Pastor? You don't have to wonder either because Paul tells us here in our lesson from Ephesians. It says here in verse 11, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. What you called me to do two years ago, and what I ask myself every single day of my time here with you is, what more can I do to equip you for works of service? How can I equip you better? How can I equip you more? And how does that equipping happen? It happens right here. The tools that a pastor is given from Christ is, is the word and the sacraments, these means of grace. This, this is the tools I've been given to equip you, his people, the word and the sacrament. And every day I say, what more can I do to, to do that more and do that better? And what more can I do to help you know what your spiritual gifts are, and then to be able to use them in service here in your church and in your home and to your neighbors. That's why I'm here. That's what you called me to do. And that's why every day I ask, what more can I do? To connect you to the Word of God. To discover your spiritual gifts and to use those spiritual gifts in service to equip you God's people to serve and why should you why should you want to hear God's word more than you do right now why should this be more important than anything else you have going on in your life right now why should it be that instead of me having to call and email and ask you to serve, my phone isn't ringing off the hook and my email box isn't full with, what can I do, Pastor? What can I do to serve? What opportunities are there for me to use my gifts to serve my congregation? 
my fellow believers. Why shouldn't it be that when we have a Saturday morning men's breakfast Bible study, there aren't just 10 men there, but there are 65. The 65 men of our congregation are filling that room. We run out of chairs. Why should that be? We have 21 Sunday school age children in this congregation. Why should it be that they've got standing room only in that classroom rather than just the five that we average every week? Why should parents be bringing their children to Sunday school? Let me give you three numbers. 40, 35, and 28. 40, that's the percentage of members of our church who say that they're members of the church who are in these pews on a Sunday morning on average. Four out of ten of our members are here on a Sunday morning. Why should that not be 100%? 35. That's the number of members that we have in Bible study here at church every single week. 35%. 65% are not in a regular Bible study here during the week. Why shouldn't that be 100%? 28. is the number or the percentage of members that we have serving in some way here. Be it to serving donuts, all the way up to maybe serving on the council. And anywhere in between, 28%, a little over a quarter. Why shouldn't that be 100%? You know why? Because God could come to you and ask you this question. What more can I do? What more can I do for you? God could say to you. But we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder because Paul tells us that too. Listen again to the the first couple of verses of our lesson. He says, but to each one of us, Each one of us, grace has been given, and as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. God could come to you and say, What more can I do for you? Think about this, friends. Everything you have in this life is a gift of his grace. You do not deserve any of it. You don't deserve another breath of this life from God. Every moment of every single day is a gift of his grace to you. Every talent, every ability, every piece of food you put in your mouth is a gift of his grace. All of your family, your friends, all of of these blessings we have in this life have been given to each one of us. As Christ has apportioned it, and we look at our lives and we say, I have gotten a big portion. I am richly blessed in his grace. What more can I do, God could ask you? That not only does he meet every need for every single day for your physical life, but grace has been apportioned to each one of us for spiritual life too. That as Paul says here, God himself was willing to descend to this earth. That God himself, God from eternity, the all-powerful God, takes on flesh to live in this world for you. 
so that he could do what you don't. And honestly, what you never could. To live the perfect life that God demands. He did it for you in his grace. It's done. He, God himself descended to this earth to live that law perfectly, but then also to go to that cross and to take your punishment for every single sin, to suffer hell itself so that you would never have to. What more can he do for you? <laughs> There's more. Because he descended to live and to die and to be placed into a tomb, but then he rose victoriously. And he has ascended back into heaven. And there he is, higher than all the heavens, to fill the whole universe for you. That Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. That one who was not only your substitute and Savior, but now is your King, ruling all over all things for your good. Jesus, from the right hand of the Father, says, What more can I do for you? I'm still here to serve you. I'm here to take care of you and provide for you. I am here to remind you that there's a place in heaven saved for you here. I'm here to intercede for you on behalf between the Holy Father and you sinners. Jesus, from the right hand of the Father, ascended up to fill the whole universe, still says, What more can I do for you? Dear friends, think about this. Don't take this lightly. This is what it's all about. It's not what the world tells you. This life is not about the things of this life and what you can get and what you pursue. It's about the blessings only Christ can give you. And without him, you have nothing. With him, you have absolutely everything. To each one of us, grace has been apportioned. Every need is met for your body and even more importantly, your soul. Forgiveness is yours. Death is defeated. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, ascended for your good. What more can he do for you? And the answer, I mean, let's be honest, the answer when we strip everything else away, the true and honest answer is nothing, God. There is nothing more you could do for me. You've given it all to me. I have everything that I need for this life and for the next. And friends, it's here. Knowing this grace that has been given to each one of you and apportioned to you by Christ through his life and his death and his resurrection and his sitting at the right hand of the Father, that's where life can change. That's where you finally begin to see what your true identity is. That it's not in your appearance. It's not in your job title. It's not in your bank account. It's not in any of the things of this life, but it is found in him alone. And only there are you going to find true peace and hope beyond this life and joy even in difficult circumstances and actual true purpose in this life that means something that has great value. And it's God's question to us, what more can I do for you? And our answer, nothing, that then, that makes us come back to our question too. What more can I do? 
Oh, not to earn God's love. That's already done. God gives it freely in Jesus Christ. What more can I do? Oh, not, not, not to get in his good graces and favor and, and, and hope that God blesses me. No. He fully and freely blesses you in Christ Jesus. No. What more can I do is our question. So that I can be equipped to serve. What more can I do knowing God's amazing grace in my heart, in my life, and forever? What more can I do to be equipped to use my life to serve? There's two questions in one there. Let me break it down. What, what, you got to ask first, what can, what can I do more to be equipped? And then what more can I do to serve? And we don't have to guess at this either. I'm not going to send you out and say, oh, figure this out. Good luck. No, Paul tells us about that here too. This is what he says. Again, starting at verse 11. Answering the question, what more can I do to be equipped? Knowing this wonderful grace of God that's been shown to me. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What more can I do to be equipped? Listen to these means of grace. Open your Bible. Come to worship. Receive the sacrament. Join a Bible study. Do a devotion with your family at home. That is how you are equipped. What more can you do to be equipped? Mature in your faith. That's what Paul's telling us to do here by the Spirit. Mature in your faith. He says, don't be any more like infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So that your identity is grounded in Christ alone. That it's not back to, oh, this is what the world's telling me to do. Oh, this is what God's saying. No, you know what your true identity is. You know where your peace and your purpose and your joy alone are found. It's not in what the world says. It's what God says and what God has done for you. Continue to be equipped by this word of God. Mature in your faith. Grow up in your faith. Don't be infants in your faith any longer. Know this grace of God. Live in this grace of God. Continue to be reminded over and over by the power of the Spirit through the gospel what Christ has done for you and made you to be and says that you are eternally. What more can I do to be equipped? And then, the natural reaction, the, the natural flow is, is, I know what God has done for me. I know the grace that I have in Christ Jesus now. What more can I do to serve? What difference does this make in my life? How does this change how I look at my time today? And how I use my money? And how I use my talents and abilities. How does this change it? Listen, Paul's got an answer for that too. He says, starting at verse 15, instead of being tossed around like, a, like you know, in the waves, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
Paul uses here, as he does in a, in a couple other places in his letters, this picture of a body. That the church is like a body. And, and, and he uses it because it's really easy for us to understand, isn't it? There's all sorts of different parts of your body, but you only have one body. So too, in the church, there are many parts of the body, but there's only one body. And that head is Christ. And every one of us is a different part of that body. And you know, you know how important it is that if you want to be in good health, every part of your body, body has to be working the way it's supposed to be working. Right? If one part of your body is hurting, there's other parts of your body that's hurting too. Right? That's trying to compensate for, for, for those hurting parts. But when that body is healthy, when that body is strong, it's, it's able to function properly. It's able to do what it's supposed to do. And friends, that's the church. That's you. That every one of us is a supporting ligament in that body. And what do we get to do? We get to serve one another. What more can you do to serve? Look around. Look around. There are endless opportunities to serve here in your church, in your home, serving your neighbors, serving your community. There are endless opportunities equipped by this grace of God to say, what can I do more to serve? To finally realize that life is not about me <laughs> and about me being happy, about me being comfortable, about me being able to accomplish these things in my life, but it's about the grace that has been shown to me and wanting to show that to, to each other. One specific way he says here is that we get to speak the truth and love to one another. You get to do that right here. We get to speak the truth and love to our fellow Christians. You get to do that in your home. You get to speak the truth of God's word and love to each other, to your neighbor, to your coworker who doesn't know the grace of God. You get to speak the truth and love to them. What can I do to serve? With my mouth and my hands and my feet, with my time, with my wallet, the and the opportunities are absolutely endless. What more can I do? It's a good question to ask if you're asking about the right things. Because the way the world wants you to ask that question, there'll be no fulfillment. There'll be no true joy. There'll be no peace. There's nothing that really lasts. But but when we know what our God has done for us in Christ Jesus, the grace that has been apportioned to us and that continues to be poured out upon us through his means of grace, then the question has to be, what more can I do to be equipped to go and to serve, to love, to forgive, to be compassionate and kind? What more can I do to fulfill my part in the body of Christ? so that we may gain maturity, so that we can continue to be joined and held together and grow and build up in love as each part does its work. Friends, this is not something you have to do. In God's grace, this is something we get to do. This is the new lease on life that we have. This is the new purpose that God has brought to our existence in this world. Let's embrace it. Let's be the body of Christ. Let's keep asking ourselves, what more can I do to give God glory? Amen. Please stand.